Hey everyone, this is Laz Jackson of Detroit Bad Boys, and on this week's podcast, Ben Gulker and I talk about your 3 and 14 Detroit Pistons. Ben and I talk about Cade Cunningham's feared stress fracture in his shin and how that's impacting the team moving forward. We talk about Isaiah Stewart being the concrete that holds this team together and what his absence means uh, for the next couple of weeks. We talk about Jay Nivey looking more comfortable as the primary option, which is a good thing. And then we talk about how it's probably time to fire up the tank. As always, we appreciate your continued support of the podcast. The best way to do that is to share, subscribe, and leave comments. Please leave comments on the discussion post on Detroit Bad Boys. That's the best way for us to have the conversation that we want to have around the podcast. In order to do that, though, you have to be following DetroitBadBoys.com, which you should be doing because it's the best place on the internet for Pistons news and analysis during this dreadful, dreadful season. With all that said, it's time to go to work. Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to this week's episode of the Detroit Bad Boys podcast. I am your host, Lazarus Jackson. Pleased, as always, to be joined by my usual co-host, Ben Gulker. Ben, four field goals to beat Illinois by like a smidgen of a <laughs> smidgen of a mark. How are you feeling going into next week? Well, that depends on Blake Corum, I think. Um, I have been scared to Google about his injury, so I haven't. Uh, so I have, I, I, I don't know, nervous, scared, uncomfortable. Uh, those, those are all, those are all, uh, emotions I expect going into yeah. a, a two, three matchup of undefeateds. Mm. We lost Indiana. So my season is just over at this point. We're done. Yeah. Speaking of done, uh, let's talk about these Pistons who, uh, look kind of cooked. Uh, the big news of the week, obviously is uh, we got a note from Mark Stein uh, early this weekend. It's like the team is considering uh, surgery for Cade Cunningham to help relieve some of this uh, shin soreness he's been uh, having. Um, then we got a full, a more full report from Sham Sarania and James Edwards III at The Athletic that it's a stress fracture in his shins. It dates back to last season. It flared up during the offseason, um, and now it's back. Um, there's there's really no reason not to take this slow. But, Ben, if this team is going to be without Cade for an extended period, things are going to get even uglier than they already are. Yeah, it's rough, man. Um, huge disappointment. Got to feel horrible for Cade Cunningham. Yeah. Um, Got to feel horrible for the city. Got to feel horrible for the fan base. You know, it, the thing that comes to mind for me is, you know, Cade certainly had a very disappointing season through the first 12, point, 12 games, right? The reporting is that this goes back to sometime last season. Um, you know, it just makes me wonder how much has this been affecting his play? How painful has this been? You know, we talked about this as um, some sort of shin splints potential issue. And, 
you know, a lot of people talk about shin splints as like micro fractures or something like that. You know, Laz, you talked about, you know, can that affect your shooting and your play and that kind of stuff? And I kind of off the cuff said, well, I don't think it can affect your jump shot, but something as serious as a stretch fracture, like I think that can. And I think even if it's not super painful in the moment, I feel like that's got to mess with your head, right? Because mm-hmm. I think every time you're you're landing on it or planting on it, you've got to be worried, like, is it going to get worse, right? It's got to be there mentally. So, you know, I'm wondering if this has been affecting Cade and his play um, over the course of the start of the season. So, oh, this is really bad news, right? I mean, this, this is this is the worst kind of news um, Yeah, I've, for Cade and the team. This is the... the they obviously like have nothing really to play for this season. Um, this season was supposed to be about, you know, building the chemistry between the guys on the roster. And now we are what 20% of the way through the season and injuries have made that difficult to impossible. Um, that with that said, it's like, there's, there's no reason to like rush Cade back. Um, I understand that like he from I, you know, the reporting surrounds it surrounding it is like he doesn't want to get surgery or they're like surgery is like kind of a last resort. And I understand that. Right. Um, I saw a tweet from um, like a sports doctor on Twitter. That's basically like if he has uh, the surgery on the shin to like relieve the pain, like his season's basically over. And it's like, I understand like wanting to be a competitor, like wanting to go out there and play. Um, but the, with like the pressure of the franchise like on his shoulders it's like i think you do whatever you can to make sure that this isn't an issue like long term right i think about damian lillard had like an abdomen issue for like seasons apparently and he was dealing with it and then finally like this off season he got uh last season he got surgery and like was out for basically the last half of last season and this season, like, he looks so much better than I've seen him in past seasons. Um, just, from, like, from an athletic standpoint, not necessarily from, like, a production standpoint. But, like, he looks, like, he looks faster. He looks smoother. And I, I think about, like, what Kate, what a fully healthy Cade would look like. And, like, maybe that guy is a little bit more explosive, right? We, we talked a little bit about Cade's struggles uh, in the paint. Like, would, would a little bit more explosion help him be more efficient in that area seems likely right um so yeah i i hope whatever route they decide to take that it's the best one for the long-term health of Cade cunningham which is in turn the long-term health of the detroit pistons um i will say though uh shout out to brady Fredrickson. he put out the tweet it's like the worst record in pistons history is 16 and 66 back in 1980 if Cade misses the rest of the season, do do they beat that record? Do they win more than sixteen games, Ben? They only have three wins now, and they're what three and fourteen now. <laughs> yeah, twenty one percent of the way through the season as an FYI, which is crazy to think about. Wow. What's crazy to me is they've actually shown a little bit of progress over the last five games defensively, which is hard to believe, but it's actually true. Their net rating over the last five, which has been without Cade, negative seven. That puts them about on par with where Houston is at. 
and even though they've lost those games, um, that puts them about where we're where Houston is at, which record wise is about the same. But their defensive rating is about two points better than it was over their first twelve. Their offensive rating is about a point better. Some of that's due to those really crazy blowouts they had over the first twelve games, which I, I think sort of tanked their their net rating a little bit. But mm-hmm. you know, do they get to twenty wins? I think they they probably figure out a way to do that um, because I think their defense is going to continue to get better over time. Um, so, so Bryce on DBB has a really fantastic piece about their defense um, that he has about a nine minute YouTube video embedded in that article that is absolutely worth the watch. So I want to shout that out. And he noted that in his film breakdown, he noted in particular that the, the ice and drop coverage is getting noticeably better over the course of his analysis chronologically. So I think that is promising for the Pistons wins and losses. I think even without Cade, they're probably going to end up winning some games. So I'm going to say, yes, they're going to win more than 16 games with or without Cade, because I think their defense is not going to continue to be the worst in the NBA. And I think, Assuming they don't trade Bojan, assuming they don't trade Alec Burks, I think those two guys have enough of offensive oomph to get them random, like eight for ten three point shooting nights, and that they'll they'll win a few games. I mean, right. they only got to win more to to be sixteen, and those two guys are good enough offensive players to do it. But uh, twenty wins feels like not crazy to me, which is which is painful. Yeah, a a regression in terms of wins and losses from last season when this was supposed to be the springboard season that got you into like the playoff play in hunt next season. And so right. now yeah. you're you're stuck even thinking like, well, you know, what what do we take away from this season? And there are there are like good things to take away. Um do you want to talk about Isaiah Stewart's injury or do you want to talk about Jaden Ivey? Uh we can talk about Jaden next, that's fine. All right, let's yeah, do Jaden. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. The, well, uh, without Cade, Jaden has been more productive, looked more comfortable, um, but it has not necessarily tra- uh, translated into wins and losses. But I do think he has looked better and more comfortable. Uh, before Cade went down, Jaden was, was averaging 15 points a game, five rebounds a game, four assists a game shooting 44, 32, 73, um, and turning the ball over like twice a game and only going to the line free throw and only going to the line four times a game, a game which seemed a little low to me. Uh, in the five games that Cade has missed, Jaden is up to 18 points a game, uh, down to 3.8 rebounds a game, but up to five assists a game. We, we talked about kind of that four or five assists per game number being really important for Jaden this rookie season. Despite those uh, those production increases, though, he's shooting 38% from the floor, 25% from three, and 74% from the line. He's getting to the line uh, six times a game, which is an increase, but the turnovers are also up, right? He's turning the ball over 3.4 times a game. So more production, less efficiency, the ball in his hands, more comfort. Ben, what have you thought about like Jaden Ivey operating as the Pistons' primary ball handler since we're going to go, since we're going to see a lot more of it this season. I think what I noticed right away is it, it looks like he's playing a little more instinctually, which I think is, is to be expected. You know, this has kind of been his role 
two seasons at Purdue, having the ball in his hands a lot. So I think with Cade out, he's sort of stepping back into the way he's just played and stepping back into habit. So not having to think a lot, right? Just just playing out of habit and out of instinct. And I think as a result of that, it looks very natural. And, and so I think that makes a lot of sense. I think as an extension of that, life is going to get a little more challenging for him. I think def- defenses are probably going to just focus on him and on Boyan. I think in that starting unit, I think particularly as Sadiq has struggled, you know, just naturally they're going to try to force Jaden into difficult spots and try to turn him over. And then obviously they're going to focus on making Boyan's life di- difficult as the team's leading scorer. And I think, you know, mo- most consistent offensive weapon. So I think life's going to get more challenging for him and that's going to impact his efficiency and turnover rate a bit. Um, I, you know, I think the reason I mainly his offensive efficiency and shooting numbers are down is because he's just been clanking threes. I, <laughs> the Lakers game is a good example of this one for nine. And the one he made was at the tail end of the game when it was pretty much over um, just a silly number of three point attempts. And they were basically just challenging him to, to shoot. Um, so I think he's going to have to learn that um, when, when you're zero for five, stop shooting like they're giving you that shot because that's the one they want you to take because they know it's it's when you're going to the rim that you're you're most difficult to deal with and so he's got some learning to do you know Cade struggled with that his first 20 30 games as a rookie Jaden's gonna have to understand that he's most difficult to deal with and he's going downhill as well so unexpectedly he's got the ball in his hands a lot more as a rookie than he maybe was planning too so he's going to have some of those growing pains as he's going to have the ball in his hands regardless of whether or not Cade has surgery or whether he deals with it through physical therapy he's going to be out for a while and Jaden's going to have the ball so uh, yeah that efficiency I think went in the tank because Jaden decided to hoist a whole bunch of really bad threes over the last two games in particular I think it will be you know his efficiency will probably take a little bit of a hit but I hope he figures out how to to balance a little bit of that out by not taking so many silly three-pointers and instead focuses on the things he's much better at, which is getting to the rim. Because, I mean, he had some fantastic takes. I'm thinking of the L.A. game because it's most recent. He had some beautiful takes even in that game mm-hmm. when he decided he didn't want to settle. He can He can still get to the rim, just not quite at will, but still, you know, very, very often. Yeah, I'm I'm thinking of the Toronto game in which he dragged them back into Mm, contention in the fourth quarter Mm -hmm. and did it by relentlessly attacking the paint. Um, I do think you're right that he is settling a lot for these like step back or sidestep threes. I think uh, another like small uh, part of his three point efficiency going down is the fact that like, instead of Cade drawing defensive attention and like giving him open looks, it's Killian who has been playing better but defenses ignore Killian in a way that they don't ignore Cade. And so these like open catch and shoot looks for Jaden Ivey, he's not getting as many of those just because he's drawing more defensive attention. Um, I do, I do think that the space continuing to keep the starting lineup, like uh, as a spacing orientated starting lineup would be good for Jaden Ivey. We talked a little bit last week about how, we think he can survive in two big lineups just because he has experience with that playing with two bigs at the college level. Um, but I do think the extra space, anytime a big is not in the paint, 
is a great time for Jaden Ivy to just like get past his man, use his like get low to the ground, use his shoulders to get past his guy and try and uh, finish around the rim, which he can do um, at a high clip. Um, but I, the thing that I've been most encouraged by as we see Jaden Ivy with the ball in his hands is the, the passing, the playmaking. I continue to be impressed by that. He made some really nice dump offs to, to Marvin Bagley over this last week. Um, yeah, he's, he's been, he's been, he's been, if you just look at his numbers at the end of the game, it's like, this guy is producing at a level that like, I, I'm comfortable with as a number five overall pick, but he does still have these head scratching shots. He does still have these head scratching turnovers. But like you said, Ben, like this is, this is game 17. Like he's, he's going to figure this out and this is part of the, the growth process, but I'm encouraged by what I'm seeing so far from Jaden Ivy. The other thing I'll say is that, um, in like close games, like the Toronto game, like the the Clippers game for a while there, um, you can see Ivy pressing a little bit. You can see him uh, feeling like like he has to be the one to take the team across the finish line. While I admire the impulse, um, like defenses can just like key in on him, and I want to make I would just encourage him to like you know. Boyan's going to be open sometimes. Like Burks has been playing in the closing lineups. Like Burks is Burks is shooting like forty five percent from three. Like those guys are going to be open. Like you don't have to do everything. You can initiate a lot of stuff, but you don't have to make every shot. You don't have to like do everything for the team uh, down the stretch of games. But he's been but he's been he's been good. Um, he's been he's been really really good um, as the primary ball handler for this team, and we're going to get a lot more of it. Uh, with Kate's extended uh, injury timeout. Uh, Isaiah Stewart. Isaiah Stewart sprained his foot, his toe, his right big toe, uh, in that game against the Raptors. Um, that really swung the game um, um, away from the Pistons, in, in my opinion. Uh, so now, with Stewart out, the Pistons, A, don't get a look at those two big lineups we talked a bunch about last week, and B, are now without their best offensive and defensive player, Ben. So we, we like shouldn't be surprised if you're missing your best offensive and defensive player. Like we shouldn't be surprised that this is looking like a 20 win team, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, they were, they were bad before and now they're worse. Um, you know, I mentioned Bryce's piece already. Isaiah Stewart was clearly the best big defender in whichever coverage scheme they were using, whether that's, switch drop or ice and there are some great examples of that to be seen so again shout out to Bryce and that piece uh Stu's also their best overall rebounder mm-hmm. so um rebounding is is defense defensive rebounding is defense so losing Stu hurts that way as well um Anthony Davis I, again I mean it was basically Anthony Davis beat the Pistons uh, he lived at the free throw line. He got Jalen Duran essentially out of the game in the first handful of minutes mm-hmm. by just getting him into silly fouls. You know, those are the kinds of things that Stu is seasoned enough to avoid and the kind of things that other teams will be able to exploit uh, in Stu's absence. And look, you know, Stu limited offensively, but has been finding ways to contribute lots of double doubles throughout the season. So, Stu's absence hurts, um, you know, whether or not he's a starter on a playoff team. That's an irrelevant conversation for this team in this <laughs> season. It's not a playoff it, team. It, it, it hurts now, right? It, it hurts in the short term. So, 
um, yeah, he was contributing to um, not winning, but at least the when there was quality basketball happening, he was contributing to it. Let's put it that way. And uh, his his absence was obvious, um, I, especially against the Lakers. It was just the 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 interior defense and all of the fouls against Anthony Davis, who just feasted in particular, just, um, yeah, it was obvious. And we, I miss Stu for sure. Yeah. Uh, I hope that two to three week timeline that was put out for Stu is accurate because, uh, if it's longer and the defense, you talked a little bit at the top of the pod about how the defense has been ticking up, uh, over the last couple of games, uh, if Stu's out for like a month, like that, that is going to come back down. And yeah. we've talked over the last you know month on this podcast about how the the defense is like really the thing dragging down the net rating, dragging down uh, the team's ability to be competitive in some of these games. Um, you know, they they even even like the Clippers game, which was a low scoring game. It was low scoring, not because of anything I felt like the Pistons were doing offensively, but because the Clippers like to take a lot of tough shots, or they like to take a lot of threes, they like to take a lot of mid-rangers, they don't really like to attack the paint, um, and they don't really get out in transition. And uh, so it's just it's just like, okay, that's going to help, but uh, that's not a consistent thing. Clippers are like 28th in offense as well. Um, the Pistons are really going to miss Stu on the interior. Uh, he was... You, you mentioned last episode he was shooting 40% from three over like his last like nine-ish, ten games. Um, they're going to miss that stretch big element, which right now they don't have uh, with between, between Bagley, uh, Noel, and uh, Duran. Like they don't have anybody who can space the floor from the big man position. We talked a little bit about how Jaden Ivey thrives in space. If Stu was shooting you know, his 35% from three on the season, that opens up more lanes for Ivey. That would be helpful. Um, the, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's interesting that like Stu is, uh, this invisible, like concrete, like holding the team's defense together. And we're going to get a look at like what the foundation looks like when it's going to be cracked. So yeah, I hope Stu is able to return to health relatively quickly because the Pistons really, really need him. Um, like we, the the Pistons are going to miss Cade, but like Ivy is a built-in Cade replacement. Uh, Pistons don't have a built-in Stu replacement. You hope one day it's Duran, but like Duran just turned nineteen, right? Like he's is not there yet. So yeah. Um, but Marvin Bagley has been in the starting lineup since uh, Stu's injury. Um, he's averaging eight point eight points, five point oh five rebounds a game. Shooting 45% from the floor, 85% from the free throw line, 16% from three. Please stop shooting threes, Marvin. <laughs> He's also only playing 23 minutes a game as a starter. That's That doesn't seem good enough from a production standpoint from your starting center, does it, Ben? Yeah, you know, I'm... <sighs> I don't know. I'm I'm not a Marvin Bagley. Sorry, sorry fan. to lead the witness with that question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not a Marvin Bagley fan. I don't. I, I know that in that small chunk of what was it like 17 games? I think it was a season ago. Mm-hmm. He and Cade had it cooking, and I think you, if you're 
Troy Weaver, you sign Marvin Bagley because you're you want Cade Cunningham to have that weapon, and I get it. But I know when you look beyond just the the box score raw numbers, you see a guy who is a poor rebounder. Like if you look at his rebounding rate, for example, you compare it to Stu and Duran and even Noel. Like he's just for his size, he's just a poor rebounder. There's no way around it. Um, this is a little bit subjective, but I think at best I would call him a below average team defender. I think if you wanted to be harsher, you probably could, but I would, I would just say below average team defender. That's what I'd say. Um, he's a poor shooter from the perimeter for his career. He's well below 30% this year. Obviously his numbers are terrible, but on his career, he's below 30%, I think 27, 28%. That's, that's poor. There's no way around it. And the only place he's really good from the field is like three feet and in, right? Everywhere else from like 10, 12 feet and in, he's just pretty much league average. So I, I mean, he's just not, he's, he's mid at best. So, and he's on the mid level essentially. So I guess that's, that's what you get. He's, he's just, I don't know. I'm not a fan. I, I just, I don't. I don't think the ceiling is very high with Marvin Bagley. And that, that's all I got to say, I think, about Marvin Bagley. For the half that he and Stu played together, you could see the theory of the case uh, for having him in the starting lineup. Um, having He is a poor rebounder for a big man, but he is a better rebounder than Boyan and so, <laughs> or, or Sadiq. So having another tall human capable of securing defensive uh, rebounds and ending defensive possessions was kind of helpful Um, with Stu being able to space the floor a little bit more. He was able to operate kind of as that lob threat. We haven't seen a lot of those like pick and roll uh, possessions from Bagley. Those, those lobs, those finishes that we saw. Yeah. Like that was part of the magic of that 17 game stretch last year. You talked about was that he was getting pick and roll dunks like half the time and, we're seeing less of those, you know, maybe that's because Cade's not on the floor. Maybe that's because Bagley, you know, still not at full strength. Um, but yeah, they're like, he's not contributing. I agree with you that I think he's like a below average team defender and that so far this season, he has been mid. I do think he is capable of more, but that more is going to have to come on the offensive end. And so far we haven't seen that. Um, I don't think he's, I don't think he's hit double figures in a game yet. Um, it was like last year he was like 15 and eight off the bench and the Pistons, I think were hoping for like 15 and eight as a starter. And right now they're getting nine and five. And like, that's, that's just not enough to offset the, the defensive weaknesses. Um, so, you know, he's still getting comfortable. He's still getting acclimated, uh, but it's been four games already. Um, it's been like a week, basically. Think it's time to start expecting more from Marvin Bagley if he's going to remain a starter. Um, like Jalen Duren, like easily outplayed him in that Lakers game, despite uh, you know getting fooled by Anthony Davis. On every <laughs> so, I, I, you know, if I were Bagley, I would start looking over my shoulder at uh, at Jalen Duren, but that's just me. Uh, with well, with the two big lineup, we got an answer to the question about like how would the starting lineup change. It ended up with Sadiq Bey coming off the bench. 
that happened for like a half and Stewart got injured. And so now Sadiq is back in the starting lineup. But Sadiq has had a really rough week this week, Ben. He's down to 29% from three on the season. Um, it looks uh, still like not – his shot selection from three has been an issue. He's still like not uh, consistently contributing offensively like he was earlier in the season. Um it's like, yeah, Sadiq is not Sadiq's on my like thing I didn't like this week because that was just uh it was just not a good week for Sadiq. And that was before the the tweaked ankle that's gonna actually keep him out of tonight's game against Sacramento. Yeah, man. I I feel I do I sound as bummed out as I feel? Because <laughs> I <laughs> I feel yes. bummed, man. I like I'm trying to find something good to say or feel good about, but like Sadiq too, like, man, this could be a time for Sadiq to shine and he's, he's not finding it either. Right. Like, and I guess there are some, you can find some mitigating factors like being shuffled in and out of the rotation, et cetera. But like you would think with Cade out and with a desperate need for scoring, like this would be his moment, like secure the bench unit, find a way to be assertive, find a way to knock down some buckets, you know, be some sort of a hub for a, a unit that's really struggled to score. Um, you know, that, that didn't necessarily happen either. Um, the three point shooting last, like w- was the rookie season just flash in the pan? Like I- I've been telling myself, no, that's impossible. Because, like, how do you do that as a rookie? How do you shoot 38% as a rookie? But now, like, sub, what is it, sub 30 is like 29% now? Is that right? 29%, yeah. Like, that's a 9% point drop. That is that is crazy. I Ben, I really think most of it is shot selection. Rookie season is catch and shoot, go, go, go. Now he's taking, like, these wonderful sidestep threes that don't really fit his game. He's pausing to see like if he can attack the basket because this is something he's worked really hard on, and I understand that. But he's he's thinking too much about not shooting threes to shoot threes well. <laughs> I, I really just think he needs to um, just go. Like if he's gonna if you're going to shoot these threes, like just get them up, just and shoot. like that will help his mentality so much when it comes to the, those percentages. But yeah, it's. Uh, Sneak has been really disappointing. You talked about, too, how like this is a great opportunity with Kate out to step up offensively, and he hasn't been able to do that. He averaged, oh, he averaged, what, eight points this week? Like, that is that is bad. It's rough. But yeah, it's just uh, – and I I don't think the move to the bench, like, was going to impact this as much. Like, he, he, he's going to, he was going to continue to play starter minutes, right? He was going to continue to be – a like semi-featured part of lineups. He just can't put the ball in the basket from behind the arc. Like he's been able to in the past. And that's, that continues to just be a huge problem. Um, one guy, one guy who has been able to put the ball in the basket, though, is Alec Burks. Thank God for Alec Burks. Alec Burks has been um, just a professional bucket getter. And I appreciate that. Alec Burks is on my things. I like this week uh, list. He's uh, scoring 15 points a game shooting 44% from three, getting to the line six times a game. Um, just, you know, being a part of uh, closing the closing uh, lineup, you know, bullying the bench in the second quarter, like late in the first quarter, early in the second quarter, 
just a professional bucket getter. And it's been so nice to have Alec Burks back. Another thing where I like you get the theory of the case as soon as he stepped on the floor, like why the Pistons were so invested in keeping him. The uh, the other thing I liked this week was Jaden Ivey. We talked a little bit about Jaden Ivey already, but uh, Jaden Ivey being a consistent, aggressive uh, perimeter attacker has been has been nice to see. Um, ben, what have what have you been thinking about this week? I know you I know you've been bummed, but like in, in your bummedness, I guess what what have you been focusing on with this team? Yeah, so I'll say you know my immediate gut reaction when I saw. Um, they were considering surgery for Cade, which in all likelihood would mean season ending surgery. Right. I think that was the immediate projection was um, go ahead and embrace the tank. Um, that, that was my immediate reaction. Go ahead you, and play. You made a promise to yourself to not do draft coverage this year though. I did. And I, I think I, I still will. I still will keep that promise to myself <laughs> because, uh, Indiana is still still pretty solid, <laughs> but uh, you know I think the reason I the reason I would do that is because Boyan and Alec Burks have been so good mm-hmm. in their short season so far, and I think those two guys would be quite desirable. And you know I, I the theory of the case as you're talking about it I think is is right. You can see why two players like that would make so much sense for a developing young backcourt. Um, and really developing front court too, and, and guys like Stewart and, and Duran and Bay to some to some degree as well. Like those guys just get buckets efficiently. They're smart. They know what to do offensively with minimal amounts of coaching. They put themselves in the right places to be successful without a whole lot of drama. And you understand like why you would want those guys on your roster with two young guards. Well, you're probably not going to have Kate Cunningham, regardless of which path he goes down for most of the season. You're going to lose a whole lot of games. Um, you're not going to have Alec Burks, most likely, unless you decide to re-up him for some reason. So why not try to flip him for something? Like, something, whatever it is. And with Bowen, he's got this incredibly team-friendly contract. Unless you feel like next year you really absolutely need to have him for the same sort of scenario that you were hoping to have him for this season, like maybe you can get a future first and a similar sort of contract, right? Like, I I mean, I would absolutely be taking calls for him. So that, that was my gut reaction. Like just let this season be a loss. You can't predict and you can't avoid injuries. They happen. Um, So just, just embrace the tank. Hopefully you can get another, franchise sort of cornerstone type of player. I mean, I know everyone wants the number one pick and all of that kind of stuff, but the worst you could possibly do is guarantee yourself a top three pick, right? And maybe in the process, get yourself uh, another future first or something by flipping one of these veterans. So yeah, man, that, that would be as much as I hate the fact <laughs> that this is where we're at. Like, they're not going to win games. They're they're just yep. not. They're not going to win games. So like, I I don't. It seems like the only way to redeem the season to me at the moment. So, so yeah, so that, I, that's what I've been thinking about. Yeah, fire up the tank, man. <laughs> I not, hate not it. Where, 
I hate it. Now where either of us, I think, wanted to be 20% of the season in. But, uh, but yeah. Uh, and I have not started draft stuff yet. I will probably start draft stuff in, like, March. Or, no, February. February, like, prior to March Madness. Um, and, obviously, like, everyone wants the number one pick. Um, Pistons can lock. If they finish with the worst record, they lock in a top five pick. They're like, the worst they could fall to is five, I think. Um but yeah, I do think though, Ben, there's there's other ways to secure this team's future right now that involve the vets that I didn't put on the sheet, but I was neglectful and I wanted to ask you about. What do you think about John Collins? I know we've talked about John Collins in the past uh, as a fit for this Pistons team. Um, Collins's name was brought up by Shams Rania as a guy that the Hawks are taking calls on um, as a version of marvin bagley who's uh better at all the stuff marvin bagley is already good at would you what would you think about like a uh john collins isaiah stewart front court in the long term for this team why don't the hawks like him (laughs) this is a really good question that's what i don't get like i mean i know so he hasn't played like he's missed a lot of games right is that the only reason, or is there something else? I think the the chemistry between him and Trey Young has always been kind of iffy, and now the Hawks have two point guards instead of one. Um, he's averaging he's he was like a like high teens twenty point per game guy, and now he's down to like thirteen points a game just because the the way the offense is going and he the team is going in Atlanta. There's yeah, there's a lot of mouths to feed now, so. I mean, I've he's a good player, right? I mean, he's just kind of odd man out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he's he's. I liked I liked the rumors a season ago. I think I would still like the rumors, assuming assuming it's just a chemistry issue in Atlanta, and there's not some other thing. I mean, the thing about a season ago that I was a little confused by is why has he missed so many games? That and that I guess is a lingering question for me. But he's a good player. You're right. He does the Bagley stuff, but better. Um, so yeah, I mean, I would be interested in that sort of scenario, just like yeah. I was a season ago. I think I'd be. I would be really interested if, especially if like I don't think it's going to cost them any future draft capital. It's like if it's just like Boyan and Bagley, or like Boyan and something else desirable. Um, at at this point. If they were like, we we want Sadiq Bay, he needs to be in this trade. I would be like, oh, okay, sure, yeah, that, that makes sense. We could mm-hmm. we could work something around that. But uh, yeah, I'd be I would be curious to see what they want. Um, DeAndre Hunter's extension kicks in. Uh, Dejounte Murray is going to want more money than he's currently making. Trey Young is obviously on a max, um, and Collins is making like twenty five million dollars a year. So they're they're set to oh and Akongwu is also like set to uh, get a bump off of his rookie deal soon. So they are set to be very very expensive, and I wonder if they just want to cut salary. Oh yeah, but, that could be. But luckily, you know, Boyan has got only two million guaranteed on the final year of that deal. That helps a lot if you're trying to plan out for a couple of years from now. So yeah, I, I do think there is a potential match between the Pistons and the Hawks in in a John Collins situation. I would not be surprised if like that rumor. Uh, started to like come out in the uh, next couple of weeks. Um, Collins will be a really good fit for this team. I, I was talking to Bryce actually about like a, 
a Stuart Collins Duran like three man big rotation hmm. makes a lot of sense. Just as long as long as Stu continues to shoot um, between if Stu is a consistent shooter and Collins gets back to where he's been in the past, as long as you have uh, always like at least one big who can shoot on the floor. I think that that makes a lot of sense if the Pistons continue to be uh, philosophically attached to the idea that they have to play two bigs on the floor at once. So, yeah. And and again, like Marvin Bagley, not a shooting big. They keep trying to make him a shooting big. So far, he hasn't been a shooting big. Replacing him with a shooting big who shares a lot of the same defensive uh, deficiencies, but is just like better as a scorer and shooter makes a lot of sense to me. Um, I'd I would be very, very intrigued in the John Collins acquisition for sure. Yeah, I can get down with that. Yeah. All right, Ben, the Pistons play still on the West Coast, still making us watch the game the day after or uh, stay up until 1 a.m. like I did for the Clippers game. That was a horrible mistake. I should not have done that. (laughs) Laz, come on, man. At least I, I still get to work from home, so at least I just get to, like, roll out of bed and, like, turn on the laptop and be like, I'm, I'm here. But man, yeah, 1 a.m. games are not it. They play Sacramento tonight at 6 o'clock at least. 6 o'clock, that's manageable. Yeah, I can do that. That's manageable. Yeah. And then they have the Elevation Olympics. They have Denver on Tuesday and Utah on Wednesday on the back-to-back. Uh, Denver, without without Murray and Jokic, I think, for – like Murray is in uh, – I think Murray and Jokic are both in COVID protocols. So uh, Denver lost to the Knicks, and I watched like the second half of that game, and like – DeAndre Jordan is just like wandering around doing nothing. So like man, that game looks more winnable than it normally would for injury reasons, but it still wouldn't surprise me if the Pistons were uh, not victorious in that one. Um, and then they play Phoenix on Friday. So uh, what, like this four games in five in six days, which is still rough. And then they return home, which is like always great. Always good. Great to get the West Coast trip over with. But then they got to play Cleveland on Sunday. <laughs> so it's – we talked about the injuries. We're talking about the schedule. Like this is uh, – they are currently 3-14. and 14. It's like this team could easily be like 3-20 and 20 before we know it, Ben. That's just so tough. It's so tough. Yeah. Well, and Denver's got like the, the former Pistons revenge all-star team. Like you've got KCP, you've got Bruce Brown, like – yeah. Um, Sacramento could be tough, too. Like, I feel like... Sacramento's been playing better, yeah. Sabonis could be a oh, bit a of a issue. nightmare for yeah. our big men. Speaking of foul trouble, I mean, yeah, that could be that could be difficult. Yeah, I mean, the Pistons are going to win some games, Laz, but I don't... I mean, it's just going to be what night do they go shoot 45% from three? And I don't know how to predict that. So it's going to mm-hmm. be like, they'll, they'll go beat somebody and it'll probably be some good team, but I don't know. I, I have no idea. I have no idea how to predict how and when that'll happen. So they play, so, they play nothing but good teams for yeah. like a very long time. I'm, I'm I'm glad I don't gamble because I don't know how you, <laughs> could, I don't know how you could bet this team right now. <laughs> I will. I will say, Hey everyone. We told you multiple <laughs> times, take the under on that's, 29 that, and a half. Yeah, that's true. And we hope you listened to us. Because <laughs> if you did, you are in the money right now. This team is terrible. The next, I'm looking at the schedule. The next, like, winnable game I see is the Lakers 
at home on Sunday, December 11th. So, like, three weeks from now, the, we might win that game. The other thing is, the good teams are all going to be resting players against the Pistons. So, like, yes. there will, you know, you're going to get Anthony Davis plus the, the B team, right? So... Yeah, maybe the uh, the Knicks are like fine, and they play the Knicks on the 29th, Play the Knicks on uh, next week, so like they play the Knicks at home. Maybe they scrounge some stuff up, and the Knicks like don't shoot eighty uh, percent from three, like it feels like they always do when they play <laughs> us, and they manage to take that one. But yeah, this team is this team is going to be real bad in terms of wins and losses for the foreseeable future. Yeah. I hope I, I I sincerely hope you all got under on twenty eight twenty nine and a half. You got under <laughs> on twenty eight and a half. You're feeling great right now. Yeah. All right. All right, Ben. Uh, thank you for making talking about this team, this bummer of a team, uh, less of an excruciating experience on a week in week week out basis. I appreciate you uh, helping me uh, get through this uh, this season. Let the people know where they can find you, where they can talk to you about uh, how much we are not enjoying uh, this 2022 season. Yeah, this is the most bummed and disappointed I've been on a podcast in a long time. And I'm sure it came through today. I just feel feel really I feel really disappointed this week. And I I feel like this was a emotions on my sleeve sort of week. And I think it. It's authentic, man. I just feel really disappointed about about the the news this week and the state of the team and the state of the season. So uh, hopefully, commiserating among the fan base. It's just a week to feel. It's a week to feel bummed. Um, yeah, I think you know. Find me on Twitter while it's there. Ha ha ha! There's the meme <laughs> uh, at Biargokar on Twitter. I still read all the. The podcast post. I didn't jump into the comments on the last week's thread, but I did uh, did did read them all. I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna have to jump into the game threads too because uh, there's there's gonna have to be some catharsis <laughs> that's gonna have to come out once we get out of this West Coast road trip. And I'm watching the game live again because uh, man, this, there's gonna there's just some ugly basketball being played, and it's it's I can't do it alone. None of us can. <laughs> We're stronger together. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for as long as Twitter exists, you can follow me on Twitter at last chance. That's at L A Z C H A N C E. I will not be moving to a different social media feed. I am 32. I cannot learn how to set up a map. <laughs> You're so young. Server. Give me a break. I, I can't. I, Discord is not quite the same. I'm on some discords, but it's not, it's not quite the same. I am never going back to Facebook. You, if Twitter goes away, I will just be in all the comment threads on DBB all the time, which I guess is good for for our audience, but uh, probably not for the people who uh, don't enjoy my takes. But that's where that's where there be if uh, if Twitter dies sometime in the next two weeks. All right, thank you all for listening. Uh, we appreciate everyone who uh, slogs through this season with us. We really do. It means it means the world to me that we have a uh, a following and an audience that. Uh, is willing to go through this season with us. Uh, So thank you all for listening. We appreciate it. And we will see and talk to you all next week. Bye.